So this is our heart, is to bring the church into a deeper awareness, consciousness, and experience of God's presence in their daily lives. This is the, this is the reason why we live. So this is what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about communion with God. So if you will, I want you to turn to Second Corinthians, or sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Is this okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. The scripture says this, that God is faithful, verse 9, through whom you were called into fellowship with his son. Do you see this? You were called into fellowship with his son. I want you to say this with me. Say, I'm called into fellowship with the son of God. So this is, this is so important because people are always looking for their calling. You know, what am I called to do? Eric, can you help me find my calling? Am I called to do this? Am I, listen, I'll tell you your calling. I'll save you the suspense. It's right here from the scriptures. Here's your calling. Fellowship with God. You, no, no, Eric, you don't understand. Am I supposed to get married or do I not get married? No, no, fellowship with God is your calling. No, no, but that doesn't answer my question. No, it does answer your question. Because the more you fellowship with God, the more in sync you are with him. And now he can guide you and lead you and satisfy you. Praise God. This is the key. Fellowship with God is our calling. Jesus is the perfect representation of a life Filled with God, dominated by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. He's bringing many sons to glory. So what you see in the man Christ Jesus is that which God is calling us into. What a life of fellowship looks like, you see it in the man Christ Jesus who lives in unbroken communion with his father. Look over at John chapter 8 verse 1. I'm going to go to a couple of scriptures here because these are just important to see. John chapter 8, verse 1, the scripture says to us, Everyone went to his home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. We see something about a life filled with the Spirit, a life dominated by God, a life that is living in accordance with what God calls fellowship. Jesus chooses to go away from people to the mountain of the Lord. To be alone with God. When other people choose to go home, Jesus shows what his home is. Prayer. This is his house that he lives in. His communion with God. It's interesting that Jesus says, and echoing the Old Testament, that his house shall be called a house of prayer. Showing you that the dwelling place that we live in is communion with God. The house, the tabernacle, your place of dwelling is this. In his presence. Communion with him. Luke chapter 6 verse 12 it says this. It was at this time that Jesus went off to the mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer. He does this just before a large decision in his life. Showing us number one that prayer is his home. But number two prayer is where he receives his direction. To be alone with God. This is the, the key for guidance. Prayerless people don't know what God is saying. 
Matter of fact, Samuel calls prayerlessness sin, which is important for us to recognize. And actually, chapter five of the book of Psalms, you see David says, in the morning, I order my prayer to you. It's interesting, the word that he uses there for order is the same word used for the priest trimming the wick. You know, the priest would go in every, every day and trim the wick so the fire would stay burning. And this is every morning, David says, I'm basically trimming my wick. Every morning I come and I trim that wick so the fire burns every day. I tend to that fire every day. Also, the word order there is the same word used for the setting of the table of the Lady Wisdom. How she set up her table. This is the setting of the table where we commune with God. This is where you eat your bread. This is where you eat your meals. Is taking that time to sit with God. And he orders the, the, the as St. Francis said this, he said, all sin is disordered affection. So you think about disorder of affection is the root of everything that's wrong with, with humanity. God orders everything when we come into his presence. You see, listen, prayer, communion with God is the first button on the shirt. If you miss that one, it doesn't matter how tight the other ones are. They're all wrong. And this is very important for us to realize because communion must be recognized as what a man of God is. Prayer, communion with God needs to be recognized as this is what we are now. We were called into this. This isn't a side issue like the car and the garage that you work on whenever you have spare time. This is the engine of our lives. Communion with God is not like some type of runway for the, for the plane to take off. It's the engine in the plane. It keeps us going. Luke 4.42, the scripture says, Jesus left and went to a secluded place. Now we're looking at a life that is very uh, much in sync with God. Literally connected and unbroken. He goes to a secluded place to pray. Charles Spurgeon once wrote this. Believer, you cannot have too frequent communion with God or too frequent intercourse with Jesus. You cannot have your heart too frequently filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And with that peace that passes all understanding. You cannot have heaven too often brought down into your heart or your hearts too often carried up into heaven. And therefore, you cannot be too frequently in communion with God. This is what we're called into. Fellowship with God. And we see Jesus living in fellowship with God. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place to pray there. I've been reading the, I've been reading the diary of Andrew Bonner. He's the one who wrote the, di the biography of Robert Murray McShane. And he says this. He says, I was impressed this morning. I read this last night in his diary. He goes, I was impressed this morning about if I neglect my hour alone with the Lord in the mornings, he says, I'll lose 24 uh, days of prayer in a year. He was pulling everything together. He said, if I neglect my hour in, in the morning, then 24 days that could have been spent in prayer in my year are gone. And he, this is just what he was thinking, rebuking him himself for in his in his daily journal as a matter of fact another one just coming up in my mind he comes back from a prayer meeting he goes I am he goes I am exposed that I have not leaned upon Jesus moment by moment 
I'm just, uh, what am I saying? I'm trying to call us to recognize again what salvation is. As a matter of fact, Tozer wrote this, the presence of God, the experience of the presence of God is fulfilling the tenets of your salvation. In other words, this is what salvation is. If Jesus saved you from something, he saved you from a life apart from his presence. He didn't just save you from sins. He saved you from the root problem, which is sin. You know, sins are just the, the, the fruit of a root called sin. And that sin in and of itself is self-centeredness. It is the refusal to lay at the feet of Jesus. It is to say, I got this. It's independence. That's what sin actually is. And prayer is the expression of dependence. Communion with God is the expression of, oh God, how I need you. To neglect communion is to proclaim with your life, I do not need you. Communion with God is the issue. Jesus went to a secluded place to pray. Luke 22, verse 39. He proceeded to the Mount of Olives as was his custom. He's just constantly going there. You know what's very interesting to me? In Luke 11, verse 1, the disciples have already seen Jesus do astronomical miracles. They've heard him teach in a way that the Pharisees say we've never heard a man speak like this. He's speaking in an incredible way, doing incredible things. He's perfectly perfect in every way. But the one thing that they ask him is not teach us how to do miracles, teach us how to preach. They say, teach us how to pray. They realize something about him. They're walking with him. They're living with him. And whatever it is that they see in the life of Jesus, they realize that the thing most important to him, the center and core, the heart and nucleus of what he is, is his communion with God. And they say, this is what we want to know because we realize this is what you're really about. How do we do, how do, we do that? Isn't that beautiful? You know, it's in prayer Jesus is transfigured. While he's praying, his, his face shines in front of them and you will be transfigured too. Your actual life will radiate communion with God. They that look to him are radiant. The scriptures tell us also that while Jesus was praying, the Holy Spirit came upon him in the baptism. While he's praying, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. I don't know about you, but I'm in need of constant fillings of the Spirit. Robert Murray McShane was asked, why do you keep asking God to fill you again and again? He goes, because I leak. <laughs> I want to be filled continually. And then when Paul tells us the, the tense that Paul uses in Ephesians, he says, do not be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be being continually filled. Be being continually filled. How does this happen? In prayer, communion with God is where we receive the Spirit. And we see Jesus doing this constantly living, receiving. He's like a living receptacle. Sons are the perpetual recipients of God through communion with God. Praise God. This is what you are called to. This is the reason why you were born again. The reconciliation is the restoration of God and man finding their pleasure in each other. The reconciliation, what Jesus died to reconcile, is man in communion with his God. This is the reason why you live. Everything else is cosmetic to this. Even your holiness is a shoot that comes out of the root of communion with God. Your mind will be affected by communion with God or lack of it. Remember reading Madame Guyon's diary. 
And she says this, she says, neglected prayer was pillaged all day. Think about these words. I neglected prayer and I was pillaged all day. I've had this many times in my life. The neglect of prayer will cause you to be open for the pillaging of your mind and your heart. Are you following me? It's just important that we realize this is why we're alive and that it takes first place above all. Again, we see Jesus in Luke 5, 16. It says, Jesus often slipped away to the wilderness to pray. You see this? This is the man, Christ Jesus, perfect and holy, matchless and wonderful, always in communion with God. He says to the disciples, he goes, my father loves me because I always do the thing that pleases him. Why do you think he always does the thing that pleases him? Because he's always looking at him. Jesus says that the words that I speak to you, they're not even mine. I heard them. Where? Communion. The things I do, I don't even do them on my own initiative. I do as I see. Where does he see? Communion. Jesus is walking tabernacle. He tabernacle. In other words, he, Jesus is the one housing God's presence in the world. He is walking communion. And we as sons, that's what we are. We are to be the same. You say, Eric, but I'm a mechanic. I, who, what does that have to do with anything? We glorify God by finding pleasure in him. As, as Spurgeon said there, you cannot have heaven coming too much into your heart. You cannot be drawn up into heaven too much. Oh, Ravenhill said we should live in heaven six days a week and come down the seventh day and tell everybody what we saw. <laughs> there is this wonder of communion with God that is unlike anything this world can, can, can even... Parallel. I mean, think about this. David Brainerd with the blood of tuberculosis on his tongue says this. A half hour in God's presence is worth, 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 uh, will make up for all life's sorrows. Think about that. Uh, he's bleeding out of his mouth. I read his biography and he would cough up large portions of blood and he would write in his journal, even with the blood coming out of his mouth, and he'd say a half hour in God's presence will make up for all life's sorrows. What is this? It's that communion with God lifted him up out of these lower things. It, it's like the, his communion with God, as he goes on to say, he goes, an hour with God is worth a lifetime with any man. Think about this. Samuel Rutherford is chained. He writes his, his letters from prison. He dies there in prison. And with the, the, the soreness of his wrist, when metal chains upon his wrist, this is what he writes. He writes, do you need... Do you need more rest? Then lean more. He says, well, he says if you want to lighten your heart, lay upon him. <laughs> with chains, he says these things. How much more do you, without chains on your wrist, have the ability to lighten your heart by laying upon him? How much more can we recognize that even without blood on our tongues, we can say that a half hour with God will make up for all life's sorrows? Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, he says this, it is worthwhile to have lived, if for nothing else, than to have had a half an hour's fellowship with God. I wonder if this is the kind of thing that God wants to shift in our hearts. I wonder if this is the reason why the Lord sent me here today, is to kind of bring everything back to what Pastor was saying. Jesus enjoyed in communion is the root of everything that I do and everything that I am. 
Listen, listen to this. Communion with God is the necklace upon which all the pearls of God's graces are placed. If that necklace break, all the graces are scattered. Communion with God must be the root. In, in the end of 2 Corinthians, Paul writes this. He goes, may the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. This is very important. He's trying to conclude the whole matter that he writes to the Corinthians with this. This is where it all hangs. This is what it all hangs on. Your fellowship with the Spirit. Some people come to me for counsel and they say, Eric, I need help with this, that, and the other. My question to them is, when was your last kiss? When was the last time Christ kissed your brow? I got all these tears in my life. Let him kiss them away. You see, I found something in Christianity. Something's missing. And what's missing is the kissing. Eric, what do you mean by kissing? I mean the direct, loving, intimate contact by God's spirit upon your soul. That's what I mean. The intimate love that we see even in Song of Solomon. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. His love is better than wine. Praise God. David Brainerd also said, he said, an hour with God infinitely excels all the pleasures and delights of this lower world. Oh, I encourage you to fly up into heaven through communion with God. I encourage you to spit on the table of devils and dine at the descending table out of heaven. I encourage you to sit with Christ and let him feed you with himself. I encourage you to let this be the way that your life is. Luke 22 verse 41 says that Jesus withdrew and he prayed. Matthew 14 verse 23 says he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. I'm encouraging communion with God today, guys. You know, there's a story of a, an older man who gives his son a pocket watch. You know, like a, one of those watches that would sit in your pocket. Well, he gives it to his son and his son takes it out and he looks at it and then the father says to him, he goes, there's just one thing that you have to remember. The pocket watch is very old. And the son says, okay. Then he says, this means that every day you must go out to the church clock and look at the church clock and see whether or not the watch has lagged behind or sped ahead. He goes, that's how the watch is. It, it just kind of lags behind or goes ahead because it's old. He goes, so every morning go out and set the watch. And that's what I want to encourage you with. Communion with God is setting your watch in synchronization with him. To see whether or not you've lagged behind or you've rushed ahead of him. As a matter of fact, abiding with Christ is walking in step with him. This means you're taking note whether you're behind or you're ahead. Some of us are like this. Come on, Jesus. Come on. Let's go do this. Some of us are way behind. Like we even lose him. We're like, where, where, do, you, where do you even go? But to walk with him. Do you remember when John, in John chapter 15, Jesus has this outstanding discourse on abiding? Do you remember this, John 15? Do you know at the last verse of 14, which I just bought a Bible recently that has no chapters or verses because I want to be able to read continuously and not get stuck on uh, or forget that what happened before. You know what I'm talking about? And so 14 ends with this. Jesus says these words. Listen to this. Jesus says to the disciples, come, get up. Get up, they're sitting down. Get up, let's go from here. Do you see the imagery? Get up, everybody, and let's go from here. Now they're walking. Jesus says, abide in me. Do you see the imagery? 
Jesus is teaching abiding while showing them abiding. Abiding is synchronization in step with him. I'm not going to go ahead of you. I'm not going to lean behind you because by communion, I will be aware of where you are. So I want to encourage you to set your dial every day to the son of God and find the highest joys known to mankind. Find peace that, is, that passes the, the ability to be understood. That's what peace that passes understanding means. It means I have peace in this situation and it doesn't make any sense. Why? Because I have communion with God. May the God of peace soon crush Satan under your feet. In other words, it is this peace that comes from this fellowship with the Spirit. You remember the fruit of the Spirit, the results, you could say, of the Holy Spirit in your life? Which I would even say this, the result of walking in step with the Spirit looks like this. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These things are not something that he's giving you a list to try to work on. He's telling you, you don't even have to worry about these things. They happen by fellow. That's what the, the whole imagery of seed and fruit is. It's not, here's a checklist, buddy. Make sure you're working on your patience. Listen, forget patience, fellowship with God, and he'll become patience through you. Are you following me? We, we, we are always focused on externals. We love externals more than internals because the externals of religious actions and your appearance before men does not necessitate honesty nor vulnerability. But communion with God, ooh, God has no fellowship with a liar. So you have to open up your heart and be vulnerable to the Lord. You have to be honest with the Lord. Otherwise, there, there's no fellowship with the Lord. How many times have you went in there, and I've, I've done this many times, you go in to be alone with God, and you're doing all kinds of things, you're reading this, you're maybe even praying some stuff, but you never actually, you haven't yet actually opened your heart. And then you finally get tired, and you're just like, what am I doing? And then you say, honestly, with your heart, you say, oh Lord, here I am. You know. And all of a sudden, you can, you can perceive the Lord. Because vulnerability and honesty is what Christ loves. And that, that facade, even as Jesus teaches them how to pray, he says, do not be like the hypocrites. Hypocrites. It's hypocrite means mask wearer. In other words, if you're going to come and pray in fellowship with me, you cannot wear your mask. You have to take that mask off in order to fellowship with me. And this is why it's cleaning. This is why it's purifying. This is why it's so needed. We don't even realize how cold our hearts are until we draw near to the flame of God. And as Charles Spurgeon wrote many years ago, he says, oh, Lord, how can a stone rise? Raise me. In other words, I don't have any power to raise myself, but I throw myself at your mercy. And this is where I'll, I'll close out. We cannot love Jesus at all on our own. We need Jesus to love Jesus. We need God to want God. Are you following what I'm saying? It, so the only thing we can do is throw ourselves bankrupt and empty. Oh, how I need you. This is the key. And that's what fellowship is. It's the expression of need. And then it also happens to be the highest delight. Isn't it wonderful that God would marry these two things together? The thing you need most is the thing you love most. 
Him who is that life supply is also at the very same time pleasure beyond description. As an old Russian proverb says, God does not mean to, God does not mean to shield you from pleasures. He means to give you the highest pleasures. Because Christ himself is, is pleasure beyond. The last thing I'll say is a story and we'll be done. There's a story of a, a, a father and his son is trying to get away from his shadow. See my shadow here on the stage? Maybe you can't see it. But the son is trying everything to get away from his shadow. He's twisting and he's turning and he's shaking and he just can't get away from his shadow. He's sweating and the father sees what he's trying to do and he grabs the boy and he turns the boy to face the son. And in that moment, the boy realizes the shadow is gone. And this is what I believe communion with God is. Communion with God is ceasing the striving of trying to get away from what you know you are in and of yourself. The turning and twisting of self-efforts and striving, maybe that shadows depression and darkness or lust or sin or greed or selfishness, self-centeredness. You're trying your best to get away from it. Listen, better just to turn to the sun and he'll cast behind you the shadow of your doubts, fears and unbelief and sin and struggles and all these things. And if we will live looking unto Jesus, he will author and finish our faith. Praise God. And that looking unto Jesus is most explicitly communion with God through faith and the reception of the Spirit and the reading of His Word because we're, the Word of God is where the, the voice becomes alive. Oh, the Bible's the only book that demands the author be present when it's read. And there, He opens it for you. And we see. So this is what I want to call the church to today, if it's okay. I feel like I've tried to emphasize that this is what Christ died to give to you is fellowship with himself. And that this is your calling, fellowship with him. And that everything else is cosmetic to this, just letting him be the root, the enjoyment of all. So if you could just stand with me and put your hand on your heart. We're gonna make a, uh, a declaration, a dedication together. before you I give up my rights to myself and I ask you pull me by your grace and hold me in your arms kiss my fears away kiss my worry away kiss my sins away as I bow at your feet and live a life like Mary value you above everyone else. Today, today, Lord, I, I make a commitment to recognition of deep need and a recognition of highest pleasure found only in you.